about you and what you do on top of the other things that you told me that you do. <laughs> yeah, so kind of uh, synopsis. I'm mm -hmm. a first-generation immigrant from Ukraine. I came to the U.S. when I was five uh, with six under family members. In 1990, Ukraine was still under the Soviet Union. Mm. In its independence in 1992, we came here to a two-bedroom apartment. My grandparents, my aunt, my parents, and uh, my brother. And then I had to learn English real quick, which was easy for a child going into kindergarten because if you learn a language early on, you can pick mm -hmm. it up really quickly and then you lose your accent. Mm -hmm. And then I went to college here, uh, junior year. I thought I was going to go to the Marine Corps as an officer. So I was going to go to officer candidate school. If you want to go to the Marines as an officer and you're already in college, you get a bachelor's degree, you go to Quantico, you train, and then you get a commission as a second lieutenant. Mm -hmm. so I thought I was going to do that, but um, unbeknownst to me, I had a ulcer, but it was caused by a bacteria called H. pylori. Mm. So I had that for years, and I didn't know, like, obviously the cause of that. So before doing kind of the pre-ship PFT, which is a physical fitness test, I couldn't finish it because I was spitting up blood. And, you know, so I couldn't do that. And then I went to Ukraine for the summer, figure out I had an ulcer, but they didn't really treat the H. pylori. And I finally got it treated. Everything's okay now. And then I took kind of a pivot. So my senior year, mm. I interned with the Secret Service on the counterfeit currency squad, held the top secret clearance, thought I was going to go into criminal justice. And then the recession hit. So state, local, federal agencies, you know, froze up hiring. I couldn't really find a job anywhere. I was kind of down. Only thing I really mm. did to keep me sane was go to the gym and I met someone at the gym and they said come out to my car let me give you something which could have been you know different directions so I, I went <laughs> yeah. out after yeah after Suspicious. a workout and then it was 2008 so they opened their trunk and handed me a packet about search engine optimization they said read this read up take another month or two and you can start doing that for my business so I really didn't have anything to lose so I did it out of necessity and I, you know, was self-taught at that point. And then three director roles later, you know, 600 clients, uh, Fortune 500 clients started my agency in 2012. And for the last 12 years have been, you know, self-motivating, self-teaching myself, running a business and learning along the way. That's amazing. So how did it feel once you got, um, once you got a grasp of SEO? Because obviously, I'm also a business owner and I got to do tons of that anyway. Hey girl. Hey, how you should. Um, but how did it feel like once you kind of grasped the concept and was able to run with it? How did, what was that like for you? It was great. And then learning it and seeing how the internet kept changing and changing, obviously the ecosystem, uh, social media was in its infancy really in mm -hmm. like 2008. So mm -hmm. I started thinking to myself, I don't necessarily want to pigeonhole myself and just do search engine optimization because there's a lot of things that connect in terms of digital marketing. So I learned mm -hmm. content strategy, I learned analytics, I learned paid search, organic social strategy, paid social strategy, reputation management, local search. And I think in terms of anyone that wants to learn something on their own or in general, mm -hmm. they should pick a, a core pillar of knowledge and build around that. So be an expert in that one thing, but be knowledgeable in the things that are related to it. Oh, heck yeah. That's basically what she and I do all the time. We had, um, when we started our business, Intent to Heal, we had like a core thing that we wanted to do, how we wanted to teach. 
and then we're just nerds for it too. We just go out and we find other things related to that subject. Yeah, that's awesome. So you got to the meaty part now, Aisha. Hey, girl. How you doing? So this show is called Fails to Wins. And so naturally, we want to know what were some failures and setbacks you faced in your business and how did you come back from that? What did you glean? What did you learn? That's the juicy portion of this show. Go ahead, whatever it is. Yes. Yeah, so so well, funny enough, when I first, I guess, started for the person that basically handed me that packet. So I did a few months of work for them. So the money that he was supposed to uh, pay me, his cat ended up getting cancer and he dropped like 20 G's on the cat. So, you know, you basically, it's sorry, my, my cat, you know, is a priority, you know, put your resume out there and, and you know, hopefully somebody, <laughs> yeah, I'm a dog person, I have two dogs. Nope. But that was kind of my first thing. And it was like, all right, let me shrug it off because, you know, he kind of uh, nudged me in the right direction. So like you, you take the best out of a situation. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody I was on my show and I actually had a good quote. Everything is either a lesson or a blessing mm -hmm. that you go through. So I had to take it like that and um, kind of ran with it. Then other things like uh, business partners and stuff screwing you over. Uh, if you have partnerships, uh, losing clients that aren't you know dependent on you people that promise to do work if you outsource work or if you have someone remotely that is a deliverable or you need something and they just disappear and then you're out of pocket and figuring it out and uh one year i got my taxes super messed up also so have your kind of numbers on point so my accountant underreported about sixty thousand dollars and a lot of the profits for that year basically had to go to pay that lump sum that was owed on that extra income plus a penalty that they really, mm. really didn't care that, you know, I did that or the accountant did it. And I, you know, kind of confronted the account accountant and all I really got is sorry. So, I mean, at that point, it's just one of those things I think you have to shrug off and just, yeah. you know, things in terms of understanding people and situations like that, all those kind of um, hurdles yeah. teach you and add to kind of your emotional IQ as well. Yeah. So you're better able to distinguish situations and also kind of handle situations better as you go through them. Obviously, those things are avoidable, you know, hope so they're avoidable, but a lot of things thrown in front of you, you can't, you know, get rid of. You have to just go through it, you know, bad, good, or otherwise. I'd, I'd have to say that it takes a degree of grit and a little bit of insanity to go into business for yourself. Would you agree? Yep. It's, it's a lonely journey. Uh, you have everything on your back and, um, you know, entrepreneurs, startup founders, that's the whole space. There's a lot of issues with mental health, depression, higher rates of suicide in terms of professions. So you're really kind of, you know, crammed in terms of like everything laid on top of you and navigating that and family life and other things you go through is often, you know, very difficult. And, you know, sometimes you fall off in terms of your journey, but, you know, if you kind of pivot Re recalibrate and, and get back on the horse. I think um, you learn something from it and you keep moving. That's awesome. So what would the Roman now tell the Roman just starting an SEO? What would be two good pieces of advice that you would tell him? Um, I, I, I well, I would say probably not go to college, honestly. Okay, okay. I mean, my degree is in criminal justice. I have not done anything. It's hanging on a wall. It's dusty. Um, I've never really used it. I mean, honestly, pivoting 
situations where like for digital marketing, you really have to understand human psyche, what makes people tick and what, what makes them make a specific decision kind of. So how do you convince somebody to hire you, buy your product and really connect with them and really evoke an emotion because those kind of campaigns are what are everlasting. So all the big brands, Coca-Cola, you know, Fortune 500 companies like that, there's something memorable about them that takes Mm -hmm. you back to a, you know, positive emotion or positive thing you went through. So connecting with uh, potential buyers or visitors or, you know, business people in that sense, I think it's a little bit tied to criminal justice in terms of really psychology and really mm-hmm. interests me. But I mean, it, I could have jumped into my career four years sooner. And I mean, maybe I would have had to have waited a little longer to jump into it. Yeah. But um, now a lot of companies like Google, Facebook and stuff don't necessarily even require bachelor's degree if, if they're looking for the skill set that you actually have. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I'd like to say that I really appreciate you for sharing your story. I'm Aisha Barber, by the way. I'm sorry, I'm coming in a little bit late, but I did catch your um, fail to win. And I would like to ask, what do you think about resiliency in your field? Um, I, I think... <laughs> Any successful business, one of the main things you have to do is withstand and outlast. So there's a lot of things that change and you have to constantly change your business, especially digital marketing. So certain things like if you just want to talk about search engine optimization, they worked 10 years ago, but they don't work now. Or uh-huh. you, you, you know, you were targeting mainly a little bit more search engines or trying to appease search engines over individuals and really connect and resonate with individuals. Uh-huh. And that's not the case now. It's, it's you know, search is very individualized, very personalized, and you really have to connect to an individual user. So things like that change over time. And obviously the internet is an ever-changing ecosystem. So that's one of the things I like about being in digital marketing, because I constantly have to keep learning. And it's not one of those things where, you know, maybe I'm a carpenter and there's only so many ways I can, you know, cut a piece of wood or hammer a nail. I really need to stay proficient and kind of up to date with tax tactics and strategies. That's real good. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate that. It's like uh, almost exciting knowing that there's going to be something next. You know, there's going to be some other innovation or you may be the first to think about a different angle. Um, And and you are right. The internet definitely is an ever-changing ecosystem. I know that when I first started trying to do anything business-related, I started with like blogging. Like I was a Pinterest fanatic. I would lose a whole day on Pinterest. That's my my confession, (laughs) y'all. And I would think if I'm on here all day looking at recipes and DIYs and people are making money with all these ads in the way where I'm trying to look at a recipe on a blog, how are they making money? Then I learned about affiliate marketing, all that good stuff. And honestly, it didn't stick with me. It was like, we were like oil and water, me and, and affiliate marketing and all that stuff was like oil and water. But I got to experience, okay, people literally sit in their houses right all day, put a bunch of ads and products up and, and drive traffic to their site and it works for them they're able to make an income off of that and i thought that was pretty cool not for me but it was it was pretty cool but nowadays i'm not seeing as much of that on pinterest versus kind of like direct in your face whatever this pin is or whatever this advertisement is it's art it's art it's first of all it's videos now on pinterest didn't used to be like that and whatever information you need is already in your face you have to click it and go somewhere next because most of us 
you know, I'm one of them. If I if I go on a search engine, if I go on Pinterest, something like that, I want to see what I want to see right when I want to see it. I don't want to work hard to go get it. So yeah, definitely ever-changing ecosystem versus just a couple years back, I wouldn't mind clicking on the link and going somewhere else. But now I'm like, I need what I need real quick. I need it in my face. Yeah, and it's really targeting your, you know, where your targeted audience spends its time online. So with yeah. COVID and the pandemic, more people were online. So figuring out, okay, if you're targeting, let's say, um, you know, house moms in North America that have this specific interest, well, you know, maybe their user behavior is a little different and maybe they switched over to TikTok in terms of consuming that content. So let's create organic content and test it there. So it's really positioning and packaging the right content, having the right delivery mechanism. You know, it's either organic or paid regardless of where you're going or how you're driving and then basically going where your target audience is. So obviously, if you have an older demographic, maybe LinkedIn, maybe Twitter, if mm-hmm. you're talking about social versus something else. But it's, it's one of those things where you consistently have to keep testing and with, with new things that come out because you really want to be an early adapter too. You get that kind of leg up as well. Um, I kind of knocked TikTok for a while, then I got on and um, a lot of my content is either my podcast or a lot of it is kind of self-help for foster parents. So all of my experiences talking about things that in terms of how I want to advocate to change the system that's really broken because we have to advocate for our kids and get them services and help they need and really kind of go to battle oftentimes. And a lot of foster parents feel kind of helpless, like no one else is going through that. Mm -hmm. So I shared a lot of that, a lot of stuff in terms of my experiences with the 20 kids we've had in our home so far since June, 2018. And a lot of people commented, you know, I wish I was in a foster home like that when I was in the foster care system. You see my good parents asking questions about becoming foster parents. So it's more of a platform of me really giving back and being genuine and then connecting on that specific level. So, you know, it's not necessarily me monetizing it, but it's me showing another facet of who I am. And I think that's important because in terms of business, if I'm coming to you, I really want to know who you are and what you stand for as well in terms of your personal life, your past, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And if I connect with you on that level, maybe we have the same values, you're more likely to do business with me and really connect and have a good business relationship in that sense. Mm -hmm. Would you say that it's it's safe to say that your target audience can change pending the things that go on in your life? They can. And I think if your business has kind of a metamorphosis too, so if you have a change in your business or if you're targeting someone else, or let's say, you know, I've had a lot of coaches on my podcast where they start coaching one kind of group of people, you know, business professionals to now, let's say athletes or something like that, or just even going from men to women. I mean, that's a big change. It's a totally different demo. It's a really Mm -hmm. different way of, of targeting. So if your business is evolving, then obviously the way you need to reach and find those people that you need to connect and drive into kind of your, you know, your sales funnel, if you have one, mm-hmm. or present the right content to them to attract them to, you know, call you, fill out a form, buy something online will change as well. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So as far as all the things you do, because you sound like a super dad, first of all, hats off to you again for being an awesome rock star um, foster parent. Um, my first child was actually adopted. 
Um, I had her when I was 17 years old and I was not able to take care of her. And I found an awesome family in Wisconsin and they took her right in and it's an open adoption. We're able to talk and everything. We FaceTime. It's amazing. They're doing awesome stuff. So hats off to you guys. So what I wanted to ask was, so with all those things that you're juggling on top of your cape, what do you do to care for yourself? What do I do to care for myself? That's a good question. Have you thought of yourself recently? <laughs> I have not. I mean, um, I try to work out. I try to clear my mind. I try to have a few minutes before I start working every day yeah. in between dro- dropping the kids off to daycare and then walking my two dogs and taking care of them and then just taking some like technology free time, maybe meditate, pray, you mm. know, get a little, you know, grounded for the day. Maybe if I'm not feeling so motivated, figure something out, like reading a quote that that usually gets me or, you know, pumps me up or listening to something inspirational in terms of a a talk or something like that. So just a few minutes a day, obviously, with the pandemic, me and my wife like to travel and, you know, go away and stuff, but we haven't been able to really do that. And internationally, I mean, there's only a handful of uh, countries that only let in U.S. citizens, so it's a little limited at this point. I mean, it's just, I mean, I have a pool, uh, in-ground pool and a decent backyard. So I think a lunch, I work remotely and I work from home. So during lunch, I'll just jump in there, you know, just sit if my wife's not home and she's at work and kind of, you know, be at one. It's still just like appreciate everything around me and just recharge in that way. Awesome. Yeah, I like how you said, even though it's not a long time, so you get a few minutes and that that goes that few minutes goes a long way so with all that you're doing what do you what type of legacy do you want to leave behind for your kids what do you want them to see from you yeah i think just hard work and just being there for others uh main role model in my life was my grandfather um he passed away february of 2019 so before that he said you know i'm proud of you in terms of what you treat professionally you know you're raising these kids uh, you know, majority were fostered or adopt, but every kid we've had so far has went back and gotten reunified or went to a family member. So yeah. you're raising kids, obviously, that aren't your own and you're treating them like your own, because I think if I cut off that personal, you know, uh, connection, because I mean, there's foster parents that just strictly like, okay, you're in my house, you know, I'm giving you a roof over your head and, and don't try to connect on that level. It is self-defeating uh, in a way because when you connect, if the kid, if the child is in your home for two days or a year, there's that loss and that, you know, pain from, from them leaving. But I think that that's important in that way. And I think he, you know, he told me that he was proud of me for everything I was doing and, you know, and I, I grieved and then I kind of thought about it and I owe it to, to him. And everybody before him in terms of my family and my ancestors and stuff like that to really give it my all. I mean, I'm in the United States, you know, people, you know, the United States, like every other country has its problems. But if you're coming from a situation like communism, you know, it's night and day. You know what I mean? Even though when I was four, I came four to five that process. I remember like standing in bread lines with my mom for Mm. four to five hours, KGB sitting like outside of our church writing down who went to church or whatever, people disappearing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff where people come from other countries and really appreciate. So I think stepping back and really recalibrating and appreciating what I have. And when I do, I think travel is important for me as well, because when I travel, I don't necessarily, you know, stay at 
five-star resorts. I like to stay where people are like genuine and living, like get an Airbnb, like in a neighborhood, like in France, yeah. like, yeah. you know, and I've never had a problem in terms of safety like that, but really know and see how people are living and appreciate what you do have here, regardless of what you have. Majority of people in the U.S. have it a lot better than majority of the world. So Yeah, that gratitude goes a long way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate you and your um and your story i really do um because a lot of times we get so wrapped up in the stressors of the things that are going on today and a lot of times it's subliminal we don't know that we're taking on so many other frustrations and especially in um, a platform where you're having to think of your audience your family yourself like you said earlier and i like that you also brought up mental health a little bit earlier um and how you use gratitude to kind of bounce yourself back when you are going through but even as a male and i i hate i hate to use demographics all the time but it's a little bit hard from what i've seen for males to really express themselves especially with grief and you find time even with everything going on to grieve what would you say to people out there who find it hard to do so yeah i mean figuring like pain and emotion is not a weakness like you can still be or consider yourself a quote-unquote alpha male and have some kind of emotion i mean i've i just turned 36 last week and i mean it's taken me this whole time i'm still working on it but coming from an Eastern European culture because of that kind of being behind the Soviet bloc, mm -hmm. everyone's really stoic, doesn't necessarily share or show their emotions. So that was mm -hmm. another thing I had to get through because, you know, you can, you can visit, let's say you, you visit Poland or Ukraine or Hungary or any country like that and you're out and, uh, you know, you're smiling, laughing, obviously like, you know, in the US Americans show, you know, their feelings and stuff like that more, laugh, smile but you can have the whole room and you look at them and they're all stoic, you know, no yeah. smile, no anything, but they could be having all like the same amount of fun or the same amount of happiness inside. So it was one of those things where I didn't necessarily have to break that, but I kind of wanted to in terms of business and personal relationships here as well. That is a great point that you brought up. I don't know how I feel in a room like that where you could be feeling the exact same emotion and just be like stone yeah. face. I would be like, what type of Stephen King movie? Where am I? <laughs> That's crazy. I, I noticed how as you're talking, your hat says, I am revolution. That's so fitting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I got it. I got it. When did I get it? I probably got it like 15 years ago. It's, uh, it was part of a clothing line by a Christian rapper called, called uh, R. Swift from Philly. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. And um and yeah, I got it then. So I try to kind of support people and things that are meaningful to me as well. That hat looked brand new. I can't believe you said 15 years uh, ago. No, what no, my, in the my, world? I'm a, I, have, I have a good amount of snapbacks and uh, fitteds. So uh, my wife got me this like display, like a, like a store display. So I have all of them. I probably have like 60 or 70, like all kind, like sports teams, just like oh random ones like that. So I'm like a, a, a hat guy, I guess. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I can't you have, <laughs> right. Like, I'm about to say, look, don't even see. That's why we can't see my closet right now because I have nothing <laughs> display worthy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, 
I mean, I'm just so blessed. Thank you so much for taking the time out to hang out with us and to share your really? story and your yeah. fails to wins. Like that just caught me all up in the heart place. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Aisha, what you think, girl? I I appreciate just how much a lot of our because we, we never really know a hundred percent what we're gonna go into when we do these fails to wins conversations. And each time I've learned something significant, I believe that you're the first man that we've had on our on he this. Is. Oh my goodness. You're the very first one. So I always like with our business, um, Intent to Heal, I'm always searching for ways to reach out to males because we're both <laughs> females. And I feel like um, as the head of households that there's a lot, whenever the man of the house is taken down, even emotionally, the entire house seems to kind of go out. So I find it really amazing that you were able to share so, so, so much in such a short time with us and like she said we're so blessed to have met you yeah i agree and i think it's important like you said to share and get those things off of you as a man if you do have a family you're taking care of people because those outside things you become uh embodied and embodied inside of yourself and it's kind of like compound interest it builds up it builds up it builds up and then you start lashing out to you know your wife your significant other your kids and that kind of tox toxicity like oozes into the relationships that you actually care about and if you don't like de-stress or drain that level of like stress and you know anguish anxiety you're dealing with it's going to implode in one way or another at some point mm -mm -mm. i love it look he just taught us a whole lot he gave us some cheat codes didn't he he really did. He, gave, he sure did. I was writing something down. Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know uh, if you're on TikTok or not. There's this one, like, like whatever. I'm on uh, X Games mode, basically. <laughs> so forgive me, but I don't have a TikTok. Um, ask, ask Aisha. I just <laughs> accepted a friend request on Facebook. Um, I think I have four friends. Um, I'm new to the, look, don't judge me. <laughs> I like to write letters and I still talk on the phone at regular. So when I see TikTok, it's still me and social media is, it's a foreign frontier to me. I don't know. I guess I'm paranoid. <laughs> <Don't> love it. <laughs> love it. I got my little four little friends. Like, <laughs> so one day by the time I get TikTok, y'all probably be on something else. <laughs> That's how it is. I mean, you have to take advantage while something is around because there's a next thing right around the corner and you have to you know, make do or figure out how, well, personally, I'm on social media mainly to push my brand, my business, my everything. So yeah. other people are posting, you know, food pictures, I'm posting things that will get me business and promote who I am and really show and showcase what I'm about besides my business, besides digital marketing, what I care about, what I try to advocate for and who I am, like all these yeah. layers of, uh, you know, what I kind of stand for. That's some beautiful organic like what do they call it grassroots marketing almost you know yeah guerrilla marketing basically like yeah. where you're not necessarily spending money and you're kind of like you know in the trenches doing whatever you have to do and those connections go a long way but i'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up thank you so much for hanging out with us on fails to wins as we speak i hear the sweet pitter patters of a two-year-old me too <laughs> mine is coming down the stairs Oh my goodness. We thank you so much, Roman. Take care of that beautiful family and congratulations on the new baby coming. Congratulations. You said next week. Oh yep. my goodness. And I know that your heart will just 
explode with this baby. I know the baby so young gonna feel it. They're gonna feel it. Thank you so much. Night night. Thanks for having me on, bye. How do I press? Who do I press? Bam. I press. Oh.